BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Happy 2023, everyone. I hope you are feeling amazing. The new year has been, I've been excited about it. I definitely am someone who kind of buys into the whole January one. I can like restart my entire life. I'm trying to be less dramatic this year. And also I had a bit of a cold and it's been raining in LA. So that hasn't been quite the like vibes, but we did some resolutions. We did some reorganizing when I got back from you know, holiday travel and I'm feeling really good. And I, in taking the start of the year seriously and with lots of excitement, wanted the most perfect, fun, inspiring, amazing guest to kick us off for 2023 of RealPod. And there was no doubt in my mind that it had to be the one and only Noelle Lambert. Now, I first found Noelle watching this past season of Survivor. Max and I are huge Survivor fans. She was a contestant. I won't spoil it in case you want to go back and watch Noelle's season, but she does incredibly well. And if you don't watch Survivor and you're like, Vic, I love you. I'm sure I'll love Noelle. I don't think I'm going to watch an entire season of a show I've never seen. That's fine. I get it. But please do yourself the courtesy of Googling Noelle Lambert Survivor Challenge win because she wins this one challenge in Survivor and this will give you chills and make you cry. It was so freaking good. Noelle is a para-athlete and the founder of the Born to Run Foundation. She lost her left leg in a moped accident back in 2016, which we'll hear about today. And at the time, she was a student at the University of Massachusetts and played D1 lacrosse on the women's lacrosse team. And then she went on to be a Paralympian competing in the Tokyo Olympics. A total, total badass. I am so excited for you to hear from Noelle Lambert in just a sec. 
Before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out. This one goes to Georgia. Hi, Georgia. Left a five-star review saying, thank you. It was like you read all of our minds with the Dr. Shannon episode. It was so, so, so insightful and helpful, not only going into the new year, but getting back into working out. Thank you, RealPod. Georgia, I'm so glad you loved that episode. Georgia's referring to last week's episode, which was the final episode of 2022, talking about getting back into working out. And if you're going to like this interview with Noelle and you're an athlete or you're just trying to make fitness and exercise a part of your life, please check out last week's episode. If you want to be the special shout out on next week's episode, you can go ahead and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, but be sure no matter where you listen to give the show a rating. It really, really helps us out. And we appreciate each and every one of you coming back to listen to RealPod every single week. Without further ado, let's dive in to this episode, kicking off the new year with the one and only Noelle Lambert. Noelle, welcome to Real Pod. <laughs> oh my God, so amazing to be here. I am, can't believe this worked out so quickly. I've been watching you on my TV and then I feel like we just have so much in common, just oh, athletics, absolutely. sports, mm-hmm. college sports, and I just like your personality. I just, we vibe. Yes, absolutely. This isn't going to be like pulling teeth. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so how's your day? How you? How's it going? Everything's great. Yeah. So I'm in town for, you know, the finale for Survivor, but my aunt and uncle actually live in Pacific Palisades and my boyfriend's brother actually lives I believe in Beverly Hills, so kind of getting to see family, which is really nice. I didn't know that. You have roots in L.A. I do, yeah. My uncle and aunt, my mom's sister has lived, they've lived here for years, so. And right. I've only actually came to visit like two or three times, so it's always fun to come. And where were you born and raised? I was raised in Londonderry, New Hampshire, and I actually just bought, my boyfriend and I just bought a place in Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh so my kinda, gosh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Keeping it, keeping it local. I'm a mama's girl, so I always have to be close to my mom. I'm never in LA, so this is... Yeah, this is a nice treat. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. Oh my God, your mom is girl. My mom, I'm the same way. Yes. I mean, my mom's more of a daughter's girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mama's girl yes. too, but she would not let me leave the state. Oh, really? She's well, in. yeah, kind of the same. I mean, I have three older brothers too, so it's just like I'm her only. Were they athletes? Yes. That's really what drove me to sports to begin with because, I mean, when I was younger, I mean, I was always going to their games. I was never... It's funny because I I talk about it. I was never playing with dolls inside. I was always like out trying to prove my worth to them and always playing in the dirt. And like, and that's just really what just made me fall in love with it. And my dad, I mean, we're big New England sports fans. So the Patriots, the Celtics, I was always watching sports. And so that's really what drove me to it in the beginning. And was lacrosse always the sport for you? It really wasn't. So I played a soccer and basketball growing up the second I could start walking. And I actually started playing lacrosse when I was in seventh or eighth grade. And it was just a really up and coming sport, I would say. So when lacrosse kind of came into the picture, it was just just the opportunities where, you know, playing a travel team and like having that kind of, and I feel like I just had an easier recruitment process where I mean, I'm trying. If I try to play soccer or basketball, it's like I feel like the hardest sports to play Division One. So one of the hardest sports. It's funny you talk about the physicality being one of your strengths oh, because yeah. I feel like I have that in me. <laughs> but I played volleyball where you're just like not supposed to touch oh anyone, my God, and there's yeah. a net. And I'm always like, I should have been like 
battling yeah. with other girls, like <laughs> knocking them down. Like I, you know, I always wonder like, what would have, what would have been possible for me if I played a physical sport? <laughs> oh my God. It, I mean, that was, I swear to God, the only reason I like, I was a brute. I was just, they put me on defense for soccer because I would never let anybody get like near me. And then basketball, I was just extremely great at defense. I could mark anybody. But when it came to offense, like I would airball it or like touch the, yeah. you know, the top of the backboard. <laughs> no finesse, just like the gritty. <laughs> exactly. So what about your mindset playing sports like this growing up? Like were you always, you know, no excuses, tough, rub some dirt in it? Like what was your athletic mindset? You know, I was I was that type of uh, athlete, especially, you know, when I say I have two, when I had two legs, I was extremely lazy. And I thought like I was, you know, entitled. I thought things should be handed to me. I never did a lot of extra work. I hated going to practice. I hated doing any of the, you know, any of the run tests, any of the, I never went to the weight room. When we had, when we had to go to the weight room when I was in high school, I would hide. I would just walk around. And so, and then it kind of carried over because I mean, if you put me in a game situation, I'm going to give it 100%. That was, but I was just never that type of person to apply myself the best way I probably should have. Why? And I don't know why. Really? I think I was just stubborn. And I was just, you know, that I felt entitled. I felt like everything should be handed to me. And I never realized this about myself until, you know, I get to college and I'm I'm not, I mean, I'm that stubborn athlete, like at practice, not really giving it my all, but I'm still, you know, I'm doing the bare minimum to at least start. Mm-hmm. And we were a fairly new division one program. So when I was a freshman, it was our second year as a division one program. So I was already starting. And when we were in the weight room, I was hiding, I was, I wasn't doing anything. Wait, I'm so fascinated with this. Yes. Like, why? Like, did you think that was cool? Or? I think I was just lazy. I never really was dealt with a tough hand growing up. Like I never really dealt with injuries. So I never really had to work my way back on the field. I was always kind of in the mix for starting and I wasn't appreciating it as much as I should have been in when it got taken away from me, basically after my freshman year, that's when I realized like, oh my God, I just did this for 19 years of my life. And I never, I only, I only put in the work when it was good for me and it wasn't good for everybody else. So I was thinking, where would I have been if I actually applied myself? Like, would I be at one of the top division one programs in the country? And it was kind of transferring over into the classroom as well. Like I was never that type of person to be like, I'm gonna go above and beyond in the classroom. I was just doing the bare minimum. I can't believe that 2023 is already here. And with the craziness of the holidays behind us, a lot of us are shifting that focus away from families, relatives, all that chaos to ourselves. We're looking inwards. So let's toast to being present now and caring for ourselves this year. And with Vionic, it has never been easier to start the new year off fresh with comfort, support, and the confidence that comes with feeling great. Bionic has the cutest supportive sneakers, perfect for daily walks or for those colder, longer days with unpredictable weather. Bionic has a huge selection of trendy boots that keep your feet warm and dry. And some of my forever favorites are Bionic slippers. You'll never want to take them off. I also have really, really flat feet. So it's very important for me that the shoes I have are supportive and have arch support because if I don't have arch support, I will feel cramps and it is not fun. There are thousands of five-star reviews and all of the Vionic shoes have their innovative Motion technology, which is a patented podiatrist-designed footbed and it's built into every style. Step into any pair and feel the contours. It's like a little hug for your feet, which I think is the cutest thing to visualize. 
Bionic also has a no-stress 30-day risk-free trial, meaning there's no reason not to buy. You can wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason at all. Use code REALPOD at checkout for free shipping at www.vionicshoes.com. That's www.vionicshoes.com and use code REALPOD at checkout for free shipping on that new pair of shoes. It is a brand new year and one of my resolutions is to cook more. It can be hard and intimidating and that's why Max and I like to use every plate. Every plate helps you save money with delicious and affordable recipes delivered to your door. And it helps expand your cooking skills with easy to follow recipes that you can whip up in just six simple steps. That's what I need because I am literally cooking for dummies over here. So six simple steps could not be better for me. And not only are the recipes simple and the food great, but every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping, which I did not know that. But wow, major savings. And every plate is also America's best value meal kit. You can also make your every plate meal your own with options to swap proteins and sides or add protein to veggie dishes. Choose your favorite carbs. You do you. I, as an intuitive eater, like to be very selective about what I'm eating and kind of think about my week. I love having variants so we're not always eating the same thing. Plus, Max and I usually work pretty late. And so making our every plate meals has been great because it saves so much time on those busy weeknights. Get started with EveryPlate for just $1.39 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code REALPOD139 because it's $1.39 per meal. You're going to head to everyplate.com slash podcast and enter code REALPOD139. Once again, get $1.39 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code REALPOD139. So the morning you wake up that of the accident mm-hmm. day, do you have an inkling? Like, I don't know. You imagine that like if there's a day your life's going to be altered yeah. forever, like there's something in your stomach. Was there that? It's funny because my mom like begged me. She was like, please, like you're going to Martha's Vineyard. I know you want to go on a moped. Please don't go on a moped. You've never driven it. And I was just like, I'll be fine. Like, what's the worst that can happen? No, she's mama. Knows. My mom literally told me, please don't go on a moped. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. And so I was, you know, we were on our way to the beach. It was me and one of my teammates on the back. And we were just having a great time, you know, one minute. And then the next minute, it's I see a dump truck heading in the opposite direction as me. And, you know, I think it was just I had no idea how to drive it. You know, having someone on the back, like the weight distribution, that was kind of playing a factor because I really had no idea. And you're on like the the real roads. The main road in Martha's Vineyard. I mean, the moped didn't go faster than I think like 25, 20, Mm -hmm. 25. But all the other vehicles are going... 30, 30, 35, 40, like they're passing us. And so I kind of blacked out and I think I just, I lost control and I veered left and I ended up sideswiping the dump truck coming in the opposite direction. And then the next thing I realized is I'm on the ground and I'm looking and I'm looking over and my friend Kelly, who was on the moped, I looked over at her. And so I saw her injuries and her injuries were all from when we crashed the moped and her landing on the pavement. Grapes. Yeah, well, and then she had a big laceration on the back of her right leg. That was that was really serious. And like, it was her whole right side of her body. Everything that was wrong with me was my left side. And 
I just remember feeling like a really awkward pressure and like there was something and everyone was like screaming and rushing towards me. So I'm like, what's happening? But you're not crying. You don't feel like Oh, pain. I'm completely fine. I'm it's I'm in shock, all the adrenaline. And I remember lifting up my legs and I remember seeing that my left leg was gone. It was completely severed on the scene. And when you saw that, did that then elicit like the crying, the pain? You know how sometimes you don't it, it doesn't feel bad yeah, until you look at it? Yeah, it didn't. Not it wasn't said. I like looked at it for a second and then people were trying to they were trying to push me down. Like they didn't want me moving. And the man that was driving behind me actually was the one that took a shirt off to create the tourniquet to stop the bleeding. And so everyone pulls over on the side of the road. Yes. They're coming to you. Yeah. And it's a main road. So it's it's very busy. And luckily, there was a nurse jogging on the scene. <sighs> so she runs over and she's telling the guy kind of what to do. And so I was very fortunate with that. And then I remember seeing somebody walking around carrying my leg in a towel. And I'm thinking... Okay, I like I need that, first of all, because I want them to reattach it. But then I'm thinking, why am I still awake? What's happening? I look over at this other this other random woman. I was lucid enough. I was like, please call my parents. Please call my mom. Tell her what's going on. And so she takes her phone out. She's hyperventilating, crying because, you know, what I'm not realizing is that they're seeing things that they've never seen before. Like they're seeing all this blood. They're seeing, you know, my severed leg. And so she's dialing the phone. And I remember just hearing her say the words, you need to get to Martha's Vineyard immediately. Your daughter was in a moped accident. I don't think she's going to make it. And at that point, I was Who like- Who says this to your mom? This ra- the ra- a random woman on, this, on the side of the Which, street. Which, I'm sorry, a quick pause. I don't think she's going to make it. What authority right? do you have to say exactly. that to someone's so I was mother? And I you're, was, like, you're awake like, hey. <laughs> I, w- I, I, literally, I was like, can you please calm down and give me the phone so I can talk to my mother? And my mom doesn't remember this because, I mean, but she was screaming. I remember taking the phone and I just remember saying, Mom, I'm fine. I love you. I lost my leg. I have to go. And I remember handing the phone back. And when I was handing the phone back, she's like screaming, like, I told you I didn't want you going on a moped, like, and all these things. And I'm just like, I'm like, I don't want to hear that. But like, I Wait, mean, there's so many things. Noel, how are you so even keel? I don't know. I was I was in shock. Seeing your leg not on your body and you're not even like crying. I was asking people to punch me in the face to <laughs> knock me out. I was like, why am I awake? And they were like, we don't know. And I'm just like, and then I'm trying to look over at Kelly and I'm trying to see what was going on with her, but they weren't really. And then the EMTs got there and then they put me in the, in the ambulance and they tell me that I'm going to be med flighted. And I'm going to be going on a helicopter to Boston. And I was just like, never been on a helicopter before. And then I found out that my that my severed leg rode in Kelly's ambulance, didn't even ride in my ambulance. And I remember asking the question, I'm like, you guys can be able to reattach it. I'm asking all these questions and they're not answering. So I'm like, that's a no. Like, there's something going like something's happening. Like, and then I still no shock, no anything. And then they start cutting off all my clothes and they cut off my favorite bathing suit. And so I think I was more upset at that being gone than my actual leg. And like, I'm giving these poor EMTs the hardest time in the world. You obviously are in a state of shock. I mean, you are. first of all, from the pain. I mean, you your are. body is protecting you from feeling yes. the pain of that. It's crazy. And mentally, there's probably this block up because you can't even process everything or you're going to literally have a heart attack. Yes, exactly. So I wasn't even, I mean, I wasn't even the first thing that jumped into my head, it was it was lacrosse and it was sports when I was laying on the ground. And I was just like, how am I going to be able to live my life? Because the only reason why I love, like, I actually live and, like, and why I have purpose in this life is because of sports. So who am I without it? And so when I was in the helicopter, 
that's when everything kind of started setting in. And that's when I like I started feeling the pain. But luckily they gave me, you know, morphine. They gave me everything. So I wasn't feeling it. And then when I was being wheeled into surgery at Bo- in Boston, the first people I saw were my parents. So they saw that I was stable. My mom was like, she was like, I'm fine. Everything's good now that you're stable. It's fine. And so actually, they actually ended up during surgery having to take my knee. So that's why they couldn't even try to reattach it. Are they talking to you about that? Or are they making executive decisions to they save They talked you? to my family about it. When I was, they like, once they assessed me during surgery and they went out and they said, they said I would have a better quality of life. I wouldn't have to deal with, you know, so many surgeries. I wouldn't have to deal with, they said it wouldn't be painful for me to walk. And so my parents were just like, do whatever, whatever it takes so that she doesn't have to deal with like more surgeries or anything afterwards. And the crazy thing is, is that was the only thing wrong with me. I didn't have a scratch on my body other than that. So it was when I wake, woke up the next day in the hospital. I mean, that's when I, all the emotions were coming in. That's when I was crying. You're processing. And I'm just like, my life is over. I'm never going to be able to walk again. Like, how am I going to be able to play sports? And the next person to come and visit me was my head coach at the time. And she... that She didn't even take two steps in the door before I was like, okay, what do I have to do to play? Because... This isn't, this isn't it. This isn't my story. I'm not going to allow this to be it. And so she was smiling because that was a lot of people's fear. It, like, I was that type of person that you loved and hated. Like, coach loved and hates because, like, they know I have— You're, like, their best player, but they're also annoyed because you don't try. Exactly. <laughs> they're just like, what's up? Like, why aren't you— And so they didn't want me to change. They didn't want me to— And so even all my friends, they were terrified— And so kind of how I coped in the beginning was joking around my sense of humor, getting people to open up and feel comfortable with me. And I, at the same time, I'm kind of coping with it myself. And like, that's how I'm processing everything. But I was so fortunate because I had an amazing support system. I had so many of the Boston Marathon survivors reaching out to me, a few of them coming to visit me basically telling me what my life was going to look like. And they were the ones telling me that I was going to be able to live the life that I want. And that I was going to be able to return to play lacrosse. I was going to be able to do anything. And, you know, when I was sitting there listening to them, I was telling myself, I can't feel sorry for myself. I Nobody did this to me. I did this to myself. And if they were sitting there telling me that my life was going to be okay, then I was, I was going to believe them. And I was going to push forward. And I was going to be like, okay, what's the next steps? And that's when I kind of vow, like made a vow and promise to myself that I didn't want to let this accident define the rest of my life and define the person that I wanted to become. So I want to talk about this because I think you could easily fall into the lane of, okay, like I'm, I am, you are a victim of this situation. Mm -hmm. You're going to be an amputee. There's going to be obstacles in life that, you know, now are going to be harder for you to accomplish than would have. Like, I think people do love to think about of course, you're a hero. You're an inspiration. There, There is the dark trenches that you probably yeah. had to go through to then be here. Yeah. So, I mean, leaving the hospital, like those those weeks, months, I mean, you're at home, your mom's caring for you. Like, yep. what was the ugly? It was, you know, me portraying this image out, you know, on my social media to my friends and basically everyone other than my mom. And it was basically me saying that I was okay with everything and that I didn't want them feeling sorry for me. I didn't want them pitying me. So I always put up this wall, but, you know, I would come home from practice. I just, I told myself that I didn't want to miss practice and I would drive myself back and forth and kind of be there for my teammates and show them that support. And so, but when I would go home, I would always have moments and I would always be like, what if I can't play? Why? And then I would say, why is this happening to me? 
what is the rest of my life going to look like? Um, and what's your mom saying to comfort you? And my my mom is a superhero. My b- both my parents are, but my mom would just be, she would be the one that was motivating me, and she would kind of be the one. I mean, I'm the type of person that needs tough love with anything I do, even with a coach. I need that tough love. So she was kind of telling me. I mean, she was comforting me, but on the same, she was like, "You're going to be fine, and you're going to play lacrosse again." She was like, "And if you don't want to play lacrosse again, we're going to figure something out, and something else out. So you're going to be happy. You're going to be fine." And I mean, I'm like bawling my eyes out and I'm like, I'm never going to even know who's going to love me. Who's going to want to, you know, marry me? Who's going to. And so I'm having those moments. And so she was just the type of person that like I needed when I came home and she was just like, you're okay. These feelings are okay. Why are you putting up a wall? Because even when I was returning to play lacrosse and I was practicing I never showed emotion and I never cried in front of anybody. Nobody ever saw me cry. And I think there was this one moment when I was close to playing again and I was so frustrated because I wasn't getting playing time in practice. And I was like, what else do I need to do? And and this is after you now have a prosthetic. Yes, this is like six or seven months later. And, you know, I was that type of person that really didn't want to show anybody. Why? Because I don't know. I was I was I didn't want people I didn't want the pity and I didn't want I don't know. I feel like it's a burden and it's something that I had to learn. Was there a part of you that well you keep saying didn't want the pity like it, it's almost like we have these preconceived notions of yeah. like what a disability is or mm-hmm. what an amputee is and it's like you're preemptively preventing being put in that box. Yeah. So you're like, as strong as I can come off, if I'm not going to cry, they won't treat me differently. Yeah. And I mean, all the, you know, all the support and the messages saying I'm a warrior and like, I'm, I'm like, it's not the people's fault, but like, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, they need to look at me like an inspiration. So why would an inspiration be upset? Why would they cry? And so that was just me telling myself, you're, you're fine. You're okay. But there was this one time because when I was starting to play again and I received my running leg. I mean, it's a completely different prosthetic than my everyday walking leg. I mean, my running blade is like, if you step on it the wrong way, you're on your butt. And so I needed to figure out how to maneuver it. And so I remember being harnessed on the treadmill and not being able to run for more than 10 seconds at a time because it was so uncomfortable. It was so awkward and I was embarrassed. But then... Well, because you, it's this dichotomy, right? Of like, I know, and I'm speaking as you, like Mm -hmm. what I'm capable of. I know how much of an athlete I am. I know what I can do. But now my body is literally not allowing me to do the things I know I can do. Exactly. And I think when I was taking the time off, when I didn't have a running blade yet, and I was waiting, you know, to get one, that's when I started realizing about the type of player and person I was before my accident. And I was like, did I really just go through the motions 19 years of my life? And that's when I started thinking, oh my God. And that's when I started regretting everything. I mean, it did get me to a great place. It got me to a great college, but I'm thinking, you know, where would I, where would I be right now? Would I, would I have lost my leg? And so it was a lot of what ifs. And that was when I hated that feeling. And I told myself, if I ever get the opportunity to play, if I get the opportunity to practice, I'm going to give it everything I have. Would you say that was like now this permanent sense of gratitude? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I say I look back on my accident, I'm grateful for it. I view it as such a positive and I wouldn't change it for a second. Really? You never wish that that day didn't happen? No, because it just made me realize what is important in life. And it made me realize and appreciate the hard work it takes to get to places in life. Because I 
if my accident didn't happen, I'm I'm honestly kind of scared of what my future would have looked like. I mean, graduating, I don't know. I mean, I was also a freshman in college and nobody has your life figured out, freshman of college. Like, you don't have your major figured out yet. And even if you do, like, you might want to change it. But I, I was not passionate about anything other than sports. So, I mean, I probably would have taken, you know, the college lacrosse coaching route, which is which is amazing. But I just, I never really understood what it was like to have you know, a difficult time with things. And I needed that. I needed I needed to go through something like this to make me realize and appreciate, you know, the tough times that you do face in your life. Because that's what makes, you know, coming out on the other side in a positive way, that's what makes it so happy and bright. And you just realize all the hard work you just put off, it paid off. It, it really did pay off. So how do you navigate and go back and forth between the overwhelming sense of gratitude because you've like grown so much as a person and now you have these opportunities in a weird way that you wouldn't have had. Yep. But the moments where like, honestly, like that la- watching the challenge you won on Survivor where you have to be as you're trying to like walk across that balance beam thinking to yourself like, God, if I just had my leg. Yeah. I mean, do I wake up and sometimes realize like things would be easier if I did have if I had two legs? Yes. But am I also at the point where I don't even realize that I'm an amputee? Also, yes. And I think it's just because, you know, I look at everything differently and I look at everything, you know, kind of as a blessing and an opportunity that and something that like I'm grateful that I'm able to do this. I'm and I'm grateful to even be able to show up at practice and to have the opportunity to kind of work harder or get better. A lot of people don't have the same opportunities that I'm given right now. So that's what kind of makes me appreciate it a lot more. I mean, when I'm the only time I actually the only time I ever wish that I had two legs is when I walk up the stairs. That's about it. I mean, because like I have to do like two at a time. I can't bend my prosthetic side. So that's like the only time where I'm like, I don't want to walk upstairs. But like walking down the stairs is fine. But it's really just, I think as an amputee and somebody with a disability, like how you should look at life and how you should look at different obstacles is, you know, appreciate it. Because if you're, you should appreciate the hard work it takes to get to somewhere because I find people with disabilities, they kind of, they never use their disability as an excuse or the people that I've been meeting. So, I mean, a lot of people go through the difficult times in the beginning, but once they get over the hump and once they get over and the realization of this is now their life, they're in the same boat as me. They're grateful for it. And they, and I think that it takes a lot to get to. And I mean, if you're listening to this and you're somebody who hasn't taken that, it does come. And when it does come, it's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And it's just something that is weird and like has been something I'm so grateful and happy to do. And don't get me wrong, everything that I do, everything new that I do, I'm scared to death because of the fact that I am an amputee. You know, when I first started track, scared to death because I never ever ran track and field. I started, I picked up snowboarding because my boyfriend's a big snowboarder. I was, I was, I was, I've never snowboarded in my life. I was always a skier. So I was telling myself, how am I going to be able to do this? Then with Survivor, never seen an above knee amputee on the show before, but I kind of looked at it as this is, I need to do this. Even if I'm scared, even if I'm not excited to do, I mean, I would lay awake at night, scared to death, like leading the whole month leading up to it. Just thinking to myself, a survivor. Yeah. How am I going to do this? How am I going to be able to do these challenges? 
This episode is sponsored by Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every single day, and so does Max. And Max was actually the one who got me hyped on AG1. Okay, Vic, what is AG1? You're like, please explain. AG1 is a greens powder that you mix with water. And with just one scoop, I get the nutrients and gut health support that helps my whole body thrive and covers my nutritional bases. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. I also get the travel packs, which are major for me. I will be traveling a lot this coming year, and I bring my AG1 travel packs on the road so I don't miss a day. I just pour it in a water bottle usually, and I shake, 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 and then it's made. It also tastes great. It's literally just a greens mix with water. You can even put it into a smoothie, and it's that easy. I also just feel really good knowing I'm taking care of my health and kind of doing that mental check of, okay, all the important nutrients and vitamins that I needed, I have them. And I think it is so much easier than taking like tons of vitamins every day and all these supplements. That's that's too much for your girl to keep track of. So AG1 makes it simple. So there's no better time to start than today. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash realpod. That's athleticgreens.com slash realpod. Check it out. That one-year free supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs is clutch. Don't miss out on this special offer for RealPod listeners at athleticgreens.com slash realpod. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, you know, here at RealPod, we love getting deep, vulnerable, honest. We love talking about what we're going through and working through things and leaning on the support of others to do so. That is why I am so grateful that BetterHelp continues to sponsor this podcast because I am the biggest advocate for therapy and for seeking help. And working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you feel empowered and you feel like you have clarity, you're just more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. And I know that from personal experience. I have been going to therapy every other week now for a year. I went for two and a half years straight in college. I took a little break and then I started going back and I have been loving it. I'm learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, snaps to that. It's hard to do. It's for everyone, I honestly believe. Whether you've experienced major trauma and you're seeking support there or for someone else who's looking for that guidance and support on the details of their everyday life. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, please consider this your sign. BetterHelp is a great option and it's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash realpod to get 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash realpod. I want to get into Survivor, obviously, because I'm a huge fan and I've been watching your season. (laughs) Before we do, though, I keep thinking of what you said in the beginning Mm -hmm. earlier. You said, am I lovable? Like, who's going to want to marry me? What was it like accepting your new body? Like, I have body image issues. I think all all girls do in some way. And then this is an added element. And then dating people. I mean, how did you navigate that? Obviously, you're in a really loving relationship. You guys just bought a place. (laughs) I want to hear about that, though, because it's so real. Well, especially in the beginning, because... You know, I'm dealing with 
you know, I'm, I'm in college and this is, you know, it's the, supposed to be the best years of your life, like going out, having fun. And I was, I never wanted to go out. I would always go home. My friends would always be like, come out. And I would never have anything to wear. I would never feel comfortable. And I think it was really my friends that just made me realize and made me get over the fact that I'm an amputee. They were like, nobody cares. One of my best friends, Ashley, she actually said this to me and it still sticks with me to this day. I mean, she's just the type of friend that you need in your life that's brutally honest, that will never lie to you. But she was like, you're prettier without a leg, Noel. Like, <laughs> get this is what you need to start loving yourself. And it's funny because I tell everybody that I'm like, my friends say I'm better looking now. And I think it's, it's not because I'm better looking. It's just kind of my personality and being okay with it. But in the beginning, it was tough. I wanted to hide it. I wanted to wear it. But it was just kind of me thinking, I don't want people staring at me and stuff like that. But then I started to think, obviously, they're going to look. If I was, if, if that, if I saw someone my age walking with a prosthetic, I would look. Does it mean, are they sorry for me? Probably. But should they be? No, because I'm still doing everything I want to with my life. So when I walk down, like down the street and I see little kids staring at me and I see people, I mean, grown adults, they'll look at me and I just embrace it. And I'm just like, I don't care because at this point, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do. You could literally, you could be a regular person just walking and people will just stare. So that was just something I had to get over first. And I really had to grow to... Uh, I never really, I never wanted to date. I never really, I would always put off relationships. I would put off going out because I was scared to death and I realized this, but you really do have to love yourself first before you can kind of have or allow somebody else to love you because that's not fair for the other person. And I never dated through college. Even when I graduated, I really, I met my boyfriend through, I actually went back to my old high school and I did, I spoke to the entire school and two of his siblings were in the audience and his brother just went home and was like, hey, you should reach out to this girl. She has one leg and she's hot. And like, <laughs> power of social media. And I'm, I mean, I'm so fortunate and grateful that, you know, I was able to find someone who loves me after my accident. You know, I know, I know that's a, a tough thing that people deal with if they're in relationships and something like this happens to them and they, and they think that, because this happened to them, they're not going to, it's, it, that's never the case. And so that was always something that I, w I mean, I, and I would never tell anybody that either. I would never be like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm not dating because of this, because it was something that I had to kind of realize and accept my, myself. Would you say there are degrees to like the intimacy of your leg or I guess I'm trying to imagine, you know, you have different prosthetics yeah. you, when you take it off. It's a different look than when you have it. Like, yeah. Let's use Mark because he's your boyfriend, for yeah. example. Like, I mean, the closest thing I can relate to is like opening up to Max about like my eating disorder. And I'm like yeah. slowly trying to like, you, and you know, you have this moment. Yeah. So what were your levels and what was hardest for you? And, and what was he doing that like reassured you? You know, he was great. He never made me feel uncomfortable at all. And I think it, it was the first weekend. It was Fourth of July weekend. I remember I was up, I was up north in Vermont with all my friends and he was driving himself to come hang out with like 30 of my friends and he didn't know anybody. So I was just like, OK, that's pretty special to begin with. Who would in their right mind would do this? And then I there was a moment that I thought to myself, because when I sleep, I don't wear my prosthetic. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm going to have to take my leg off. And like, what is how is he going to feel about it? And I remember like keeping him up the whole night. I was just like, I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to go to, and this is funny because I don't think I've ever told him <laughs> I love when real but, body is first. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, and when we were going to bed, I'm like, crap, 
And like, it was so funny because we literally, I mean, I don't know how, we were 23 years old and we had a girl's room and a boy's room. So like there were nine girls in like bunk beds and all in one room. And so he was coming in that room and I was just scared to death. And so I remember it's taking It's like getting my, naked for the first time. It's really, and, it really but is. In like the bright lights. And, and I was just, I mean, the, luckily like it was pitch black in the room and like I just like took my leg off and like ran in the like or like hopped in the bed. And then he like got in and then he like, he didn't act different. He's was feeling my legs like it was fine. It wasn't it wasn't a thing at all. So that's when I was just like, okay, I need to get over this because if he like was uncomfortable about it or if anything, like he there would be something that was off and there was never anything that was off. And I think what he did, he just didn't do anything. He didn't make it a thing. He didn't talk about it. And so I think that's great. I mean, I don't even think he realized that he was doing everything correctly for me to feel kind of feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, there's never the correct answer for it. So it's it's kind of weird and it's kind of crazy, but... Yeah, you know what I'm thinking right now, Noelle? And I'm just curious your <laughs> thoughts. Like, as I just process kind of like everything we've talked about, your personality, which is so badass. And like, <laughs> obviously this has affected your life, but in, in a compliment way, like you seem unaffected. And yeah. I think that is a huge point of this is like society likes to view people with disabilities or like as if, oh my God, like, and does it, do you still cry about it at night? And like... Yeah. You know, it's like clawing for this like sob story. And it's like, I love that you're kind of here just like, honestly, I have no regrets. Like uh, yeah. my life is, I'm, and I think that's the important thing is the really way is. that society has depicted people who are different than the standard or the mm-hmm. norm is like, they have to have a shittier life than you in yes. some way. And it's like, no, they don't. They don't at all. And it's crazy because when I tell my story, I make a joke of it and I have people laughing because I never went through a severe depression. I have to, I, I can't ever say that I went through, you know, a week, a month. If I ever had moments, it would be for like two hours. And I think that's just like me being stubborn. And it's, you know, maybe it would have helped me, you know, recover faster or things would have been done quicker, but it's kind of how I processed it. So it's kind of how, however you feel is correct. And people are, I mean, like you said, they're expecting me to cry. And I remember seeing this one video that somebody did of me and it was just really dark. And like my interview was kind of really dark and I was just, I hated it. I was just like, where's the light? Where's the jokes? Like where that's, this isn't me. And I think just my personality kind of helped. But like you said, everybody looks at me and they immediately want to feel bad for me. I mean, I'm walking in the airport And people come up to me and say, you're such an inspiration just for walking. And I'm just, I mean, I don't get bothered by it like some people with disabilities do because, I mean, I get it. It's, and I'm also like kind of a newly, I mean, I'm newly an amputee. So it's kind of something that, but people always come up to me and they just immediately say, thank you for your service. And I'm just like, (laughs) didn't. You're like, this isn't the flex. It's so funny. It's so funny because at one point, like I was, I was in the airport and it was happening so much. And I was with my mom. And then at one point my mom just shoved me and she was like, just go, just don't even explain to them. I'm like, well, that's terrible, mom. I'm not going to do this, but it's, it's, kind of the stigma and it's just like of being an amputee they just automatically assume that this is how it happened yeah I just had Molly Burke on my podcast she's a blind YouTuber and I fucking love this episode (laughs) because she was like I'm basic she was like I'm not inspiring I saw that yes and like 
it and everyone fucking loved it because it's it, it's just and I love that that's where the narrative is mm-hmm. going. So yeah, I just I was thinking that and I, I'm sure that you feel that's funny yeah, that you're like at the I airport mean, like what the hell? I mean it's anything. I'm on the track and I'm just I'm trying to get through my practice. I'm I'm that type of person that wants to do it as quick as possible, like as efficient as as efficiently as possible. And you have these people just coming up to you and they're just like you are amazing. And then they and then they talk about, I had a knee surgery. I'm like, thank you. Not the fucking same, but thank you. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know you're trying to connect with me right hey, now. Noelle, I once tore my ACL. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I actually sure relate. I mean, I relate my, when I was playing lacrosse, I was trying to return. I related to the ACL surgery because I took a year off and then I was good mm-hmm. to go. So Right. And not to like, it's funny because, and too, it's like not to minimize what everyone goes through, you know, and, and, and people, they have good intentions, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to relate to you. Yeah. They, they have have good intentions exactly but it is like hey let's have some awareness yes and um, it's always the old I mean it's always the older generation that kind of wants to have these conversations with me and it's like I get I get it but I mean I'm also that person that I love when people come up to me I'd rather have you come up to me and ask me questions and stare at me but yeah it's always just so funny I'm like I'm trying to get through this workout and you're talking to me for 20 minutes and now I have to warm up again to do a rep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Oh, gosh. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> okay. Time to nerd out on Survivor. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm so excited. I actually have like... I never do like a rapid fire thing on RealPod, but I have oh, a rapid fire this. questions Let's for you. This. Okay, first of all, going on the show, mm-hmm. like did you apply? Did people tell you to apply? Were you a fan? I've been a pretty big fan. My mom is the biggest diehard Survivor fan there is. Never miss a season, never miss an episode. <gasps> She's been telling me for years, you need to go on Survivor. And the reason why I never applied is because I was, I never saw an above knee amputee. When I was in Tokyo for the Paralympic Games, the head casting director DM'd me on Instagram. I think he DM'd a few of us. He was like, hey, have you ever thought about going on Survivor? I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a spam. And I was just like, this guy isn't real. And then he gave me his number and I called him and I was like, oh my God, okay. Okay, I'll apply. Why, what's the, what, what could happen? Literally the entire process, I was like, there's, there's no way. There's no way this is going to happen. No way possible. And then I got the call that I was going on and I was like, I remember it was a blizzard. I was in New Hampshire and he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm stuck in my house. It's snowing. He's like, well, you want to leave the snow, leave the blizzard and go to Fiji because you're on season 43 of Survivor. And I'm like, I have to fucking go. I, I will call you back. <laughs> I hang up. I look at Mark, my boyfriend. And I'm like, I can't do it. I don't want to do it I, because I never thought it would be possible. And then he calls me back and he's like, are you OK? I'm like, do you realize what's going to have to go into this? And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I am an above knee amputee. Like I need to have, I need to have two prosthetics. I need to have a running blade. He was like, whatever you need, we're going to figure it out. Production's got you. Don't worry. Don't stress about that right now. Let's just kind of get through the logistics. But wow, it was crazy. And how, how long did you have to like say goodbye to people in your life? Like from start to getting on the plane to when you could possibly come back? Like does every contestant have to be plan to be gone for a certain amount of weeks? Yes. Yeah, so typically pre-COVID, they kept everyone, even if you were first out, they kept everyone and everyone who didn't make jury, they like went to Australia for like a vacation. I found out two days before I was leaving, if you don't make the jury, you're coming home on May 16th. So I'm telling my mom and my boyfriend this. I'm like, if you do not hear from me by May 16th, that means I am going, I I, I made it to the jury. Oh God. So my mom is, I mean, you can't. You so wait, and even. what was the day that you left? So I left the end of April. It was like April 22nd, I believe. I had to come here to LA. Okay. 
and I had to quarantine for like three or four so days. So about like thirty, about just under like thirty days, you're going to be like MIA from family and everyone. Yes, yeah, so it was like a month and a half, it, and then and then you don't contact them on May 16th. They have to be hyped. They, I mean, I remember we were all we were all talking about it because we knew the date, we knew like what day it was out there because I mean. The only thing you have to do when you're, I mean, you 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 know what time Scratch it is. the tree. You Yeah, scratch the tree. That was my job. I was like, this is my job. Nobody touched the machete. It's my fucking job. But I mean, I remember thinking we would all be like, oh my God, my mom, my mom is probably dying right now. Oh my God. I mean, gosh. that's the only, when she said it, when both of them found out, they were like, don't get voted up first. And my mom's make like, just merge. make the jury. I just want to see you on the jury all dolled up. And I'm like, okay, mom, whatever oh, you all say. All dolled up. I love her. <laughs> okay. Okay. Love this. Okay. Second question. Are you starving? Like they literally don't. That's my fear. Like coming from food issues. Yeah. I, I would love to go on Survivor. Yeah. I'm like, hey, they should do like an influencers versus something. Yes. I think that'd be so cool. You, you should 100% apply. You'd get I on wanna, in a heartbeat. Oh my God. That'd first be a dream. First of all. But like, I'm literally so scared of not eating. You don't eat. You do not eat. Can and you even think straight? I can't, I can't think after missing a meal. It's crazy because I think like the whole mental state, if you don't think that you're like, you have a meal coming, it's different. Like, I mean, I was only eating coconut. For the first eight or nine days, the only thing I ate was coconut. How do you actually function? You really don't. You're just like, I mean, you don't have any energy. You're staring into space. You're real, like you start thinking about home. Every conversation that you start with always ends up in food. Like, it's crazy. But then when you go to challenges, that's what I was worried about. It's like, how am I going to do these physically grueling challenges on an empty stomach? Yeah, you're like, hey, yo, I come from D1. I got pre-fuel, post-fuel. Exactly. Like, (laughs) Like, I need all these different things. But you walk up and you see Jeff Probes, adrenaline. And is that the only time you see him during challenges? In like, there's no like, There's no like, okay, yeah. Challenges and travel There's no hanging out. Okay, what about the paranoia? Like, are you constantly paranoid? It wasn't as bad as I thought. You actually make a friend and feel, yes. or are you always feeling alone? Everybody, so I am very close with pretty much everybody. And, you know, you have all this downtime. What people don't realize when they watch the show, we have hours of downtime. And there is 95% of the shit that I said in Fiji isn't making the cut and isn't being aired. But would you say that your cut, like I feel like Survivor does a good job of giving everyone a pretty realistic cut. My edit was great. My edit was amazing. It portrayed me perfectly. There are like one or two people that you don't think it was accurate. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, oh, she was such a, she was so nice. Like, it, yeah. but I mean, it's just, it's kind of how they played the game. I would say they, they act, they make it seem like how you played the game very accurately. Yeah. And I agree with that. But it's crazy because the conversations you have, they are so real. I mean, in the game, I never worked with Carla once, but I had so many deep conversations with Carla. And she was the one person that I connected with. She was the only person that I let touch my leg, my nub. Like, I was like, yeah, you can touch it. Nobody else I didn't. Like, I was like, no. But every time somebody has a conversation with another person, you're thinking, what are they talking about? Like, are they talking about me? Yeah. Why, like... We just had this great conversation. Why are you going off and talking to somebody else? I also, like, I'm not a good liar. Like, when I think about strategy, which Ma- Max, my husband and I, we yeah. watch it. We will pause it and be like, okay, if you were in this situation, what is your move? Like, yes. we get really into it. I think oh, I, I just have that. to, like, be real. But, yeah. okay, wait, does everyone smell like shit? I also think I can't do that. Like, body odor. You do smell like shit, but I think you just, like, it's it's weird because— You I, get numb to it. You get numb to it. Because I remember when I was out of the game and, you know, each person that would get voted up, they would come to Ponderosa and I would hug them and I'd be like, you smell like shit. But I would never realize it out there. Really? You could smell yourself. I smell like shit. Do you get toothpaste? You get nothing. What? The- you get how nothing. Is your, how is the breath of everyone? So it's crazy because you're not eating. So it's not like your breath is like terrible. 
So it's not bad, but we would use bamboo. We would shave the bamboo and you would use, we would brush our teeth with that. With that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. I mean, and you don't get a toilet. You dig a hole, you go in the ocean. <laughs> Wait. And what about sleeping at night? Is everyone cuddling? Like, how does that work? They don't show you that. You are not allowed to cuddle. Just something happened a few seasons ago. I know that, yeah. Yeah, so even even like girl, like girl and girl, you're not allowed to cuddle. And it was so funny because Janine and Ellie, they were so close and they would always get yelled at. They wouldn't get yelled at. They were just like, guys, you need to separate just because they want to treat everybody equally and yeah. everybody fair. But- and, and make sure no one, that that in a situation where everyone then is cuddling and then one person's like, yo, I, they, they need to be protected. Exactly. Like even if you gave consent, they were just, they were just really great with it. Um, That's great. It was so funny because when we were making our shelters, like they want to know who, where people are sleeping and like you need to kind of have a barrier. And it was so funny because it, like in the early stages of the game, I would sleep next to Dwight and I used my leg, my prosthetic as a barrier. I'm like, look, <laughs> this is separating us. We're good. And they were like, all right, that works. And <laughs> so are you freezing though? Because the benefit of sleeping with someone is you can be warm. You get so cold at night. It People don't realize that. In Fiji, it gets cold at night. And I, I got very, very cold. Luckily, the weather for my season held up. It only rained like three times. Yeah. But... Dwight was giving me his extra sweatshirt. Oh, that's sweet. But then he got voted off and he's walking out and I'm like, I don't want to pull like the Angelina, the famous one-liner of, Natalie, can I have your jacket? Like asking Dwight for his, like when he's walking out. Yeah. And I was just like, these motherfuckers just voted off like this my guy. Warmth. I mean, he's my best friend in the game, but I also want the warmth. That's hilarious. <laughs> and then what about waking up? Is there people just wake up at this? What time does the day start? Like 10 a.m. Um, or earlier? No, they start. I mean, because if so, you don't wake up early, you miss strategy. Yeah. So production, like they leave when it starts to get dark. And then there's one guy there. He's a, the producer and the camera guy. And so camera crew comes back, I would say like at 4.45, 5 a.m. I mean, I never really knew what exactly what time it was, but everyone what pretty much- What if someone wants to wake up and look for an idol at 2 a.m.? Does production have to sense? Is there always one person? I mean, you can't see at night. It's pitch black and production doesn't help you out. Like, I mean, they're yeah. very, they're just like, we're not going to help you. And are there like a, f- a few camera people you guys get to know, but you're not allowed to speak to? So cameramen, camera people aren't allowed to talk to us. The only people that you can talk to are production that will talk to you back. But even if you ask them questions- they have to keep they have to keep it very strict. I mean, they've been yeah. doing this show for 43 seasons. So everything they do is for a reason. Yeah. And what about when they take you off to do interviews? I always think like after someone finds an idol, there's an interview. I'm like, people have to know this person's missing. Yeah. So when somebody goes on an interview, they say, OK, guys, I'm going on a walk. So like we know that person's going on an interview. They're not looking for an idol. I mean, you really can't see. So you can't go looking for an idol at 2 a.m. But does everyone do interviews? At, like, are they like, OK, it's interview time. We're going to call you one by one for 15 minutes each or like. Oh, it's, it's, it's so much longer. It, we're gone for like 45 minutes and it's just throughout the day and they'll tell us when they're like, all right, Noel, five minutes and you're going for a walk. And like, they still continue to film. Like, you can probably pick it up when you watch the show. You're like, where's this person? Like, I know where, they, I know where you know, I know where Jesse and Dwight are. Interesting. But I don't know where, you know, NECA is or I don't know where Noel is. And it's because one of us are on a walk. And so in there, we're doing our interviews. So it's really cool how they do it. I mean, that was, you know, as a fan, getting to experience like how they do it. I mean, it's crazy. Everything wow. that goes into it. Oh my gosh. It is insane. I like, want to go so bad, but I'm also terrified. Yes. No, it's, I will say it's not as bad as you would think. The food isn't as bad. The toughest parts for me, it was, you know, the days, the off days where we didn't have a challenge or we didn't have tribal council and you're literally just sitting there all day. And they're videotaping, but like it's boring because what are we going to we're not going to talk strategy for, you know, 13 hours of the day. So we're all just hanging out. And that's when you really start to think about home and you really start to think, 
I wonder what this person's doing. Like when you have challenges, you're busy. Like you're keeping your mind occupied. But on your off days, it's not like you want to go swim in the water either because you only have a sports bra and then you have your underwear. Like you don't have a bathing suit. So every time you go in the water, you have to wait for it to dry. And I hated going in the water because I would be freezing at night because that's one less layer I have. So true. There's no towel. You got to go when it's like sunny. Wow. It's crazy. Wait, everything do you see is how real. much of a nerd I am with these questions? I love it. No, I love it. But like everything is real. Yeah. People are like, there's no way that's real. Like you get a bed at night. I'm like, why do you think we look like shit? Okay, obvious. Well, actually, everyone looks gorgeous. Well, they say because of they like you're getting rid of the toxins in your body no. and then you got a nice tan. The skin. Everyone looks stunning. Well, you do get sunscreen. I will say that. Which is so, I mean, you yeah, do get that, sunscreen needed. and you do get bug spray at night. Yeah. And so like every night I would literally like, it would, it was like I put a, I jumped in a pool of bug spray yeah. because I was just like, I don't want the bugs. I believe it. Near, That's another thing. I, okay. Yeah. I can't do that, but maybe I would have to. Bucket list. <laughs> Anyways, I could talk to you forever. Yes. We are sadly at time, but thank you so much for everything. Oh my you, God. Thank you so much. You are uh, me. An inspiration. <laughs> you are the coolest. Oh. I'll say it there. You're the coolest. It's an honor to come on here. And I really appreciate I mean, after, you know, you reaching out, I was all over your Instagram. And I was like, this is incredible. This girl is fucking amazing. I mean, and that's and then when I talked to my friends about it, they were like, Noel, this girl is incredible. Like just everything you're doing, it's. It, it is paving a way for Aww. so many people. Thanks and it's, so much. It's and amazing. We need to FaceTime your friend. Yes, we absolutely <laughs> do. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.